Two-thirds of a cup of coffee so far. Hopefully you've got a nice, fresh, hot cup of uh, Joe there as well that you can enjoy, or tea, or whatever your uh, beverage of choice, your morning beverage of choice might be. And uh, mine is coffee, and so uh, here we are. I'm going to grab one more sip. We're going to get into Philippians 1. We started yesterday with some background, quite a bit of background and quite a bit of commentary, actually, on my part. And then we're uh, we're going to continue to work our way down into chapter 1. So um, get your Bible, if you're following along in your Bible, and you can read along. Uh, those of you who are listening uh, to this some other time, 
than uh, 6 a.m. live in the morning, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or uh, on one of the podcast outlets, um, you get to listen along. I still encourage you to grab your Bible and follow along if you're able to do that. Uh, if you're like me, I drive lots of places, lots of distances, and I uh, will use drive time oftentimes for prayer time. For phone time, I have wireless access, hand-free, just so you all know that. And uh, uh, Or I'll listen to podcasts. So prayer, phone, podcast, three Ps there uh, are things that, that I frequently do. Uh, or sometimes just kind of let things percolate in my mind. Uh, but if you're listening in your, uh, in your car or on a walk or something like that, just listen along and I'm sure you'll learn much. The point of all of this, friends, is is our own growth in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus and to become more like Jesus. Those who claim to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Uh, that's First John 2, 6. That's kind of our tagline for this podcast and uh, to, to learn to walk like him. Part of learning to walk like him is learning to share what he shared. Uh, that was his goal, that we would share what he shared and uh, that the outcome would, would be our inspiration into other people's lives spiritually, uh, our encouragement to them, our, our calling of people to the gospel. So I encourage you also to, to share with others what, uh, what you are learning uh, as we do this together and uh, so let's get into it. Philippians chapter 1, again, did some background yesterday. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That's about as far as we got yesterday, actually talking about them and talking about being servants of Christ and that all of us can reckon ourselves as servants of Christ, that we would see ourselves as servants of Christ. Now, <clears throat> certainly it's true that you may view people like me who are teaching Bible uh, in a public forum like this uh, every day, uh, most weeks, seven day, uh, six days a week at least, uh, as servants of Christ, or people like me who are missionaries uh, as servants of Christ. But really, when you consider the fact that we are all called in, in, in to the priesthood, as it were, as we studied back in First Peter. Uh, we are all priests in, in a measure. It's called the priesthood, the royal priesthood of believers. In that sense, you too are a servant of Christ. And so the question would be to, to you is in what way uh, are, are you serving Christ? And uh, you know, most of you that are here uh, live with me in the mornings, uh, I, I see all the various different ways that you're serving Christ. And I'm a, a direct, absolute direct recipient of that, and it's much appreciated uh, in what we're doing. <clears throat> it says, to all the saints, not only are you a servant, but you're a saint. Let me put the text back up there so you can see it. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Little frog this morning. Uh, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Um, you're a saint. Do you ever think of that? You might think, oh, I'm no saint. 
What makes you a saint is not your own works. I posted something on Facebook uh, last week or earlier this week that says, I am absolutely convinced I am saved by works. Did you see that? Uh, some of you saw it. Some of you liked it. Some of you maybe commented on that little post. I, and I, I, I am absolutely convinced I'm saved by works, but none of my own works, all of the works of Christ. Christ saved me utterly from stem to stern, from start to end. It is all the work of Christ that... that uh, by which I am saved, and because I am saved by his work, and because I am sanctified by his work, and because I am glorified by his work, I am also sainted by his work. Now, there are certain faith traditions that would hold to that not all are saints. You have to live such and such a life in order to be sainted. And there is an earthly side to that, a works dimension to that. But the Bible teaches, friends, that all who are followers in Christ are saints. So, St. Francis, good morning to you. I didn't get to say good morning. And that, that sounds so so saintly, doesn't it, St. Francis? Um, it might sound more saintly. That to our ears than St. Donald, but Donald, you are a saint. Steve, Donna, you are a saint. St. Walter, St. Dinah Kay, uh, St. Priscilla, uh, and those are people that I know who have interacted this morning uh, on the page. Uh, yes, you are, dearest St. Francis, you are a saint because of the work of Jesus. Would you accept that? Would you accept accept the fact that Christ makes us saints? Like I have said before, no one uh, is good enough to get into heaven, and no one is bad enough to be kept from it either. It isn't our goodness or our badness that qualifies us. It is our humble submission and realization of our need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Not only is he our Savior, but he is also the one who is uh, makes us saints. So you're a servant, you're a saint, those two things. Uh, it says to all the saints at Philippi, we could say to all the saints in the United States, uh, we could say to all the saints uh, in Belmont, to Belfast, to Morrill, we could say that uh, about all of us. So, servants, saints, let's get to the next phrase. Let's see how much we can get through here this morning. I, I, is it something how much we get out of just the opening verses of uh, a book like this? It says, together with the overseers and deacons. Well, I, I want to just outline for you that uh, here in this passage alone, it gives us the sense of church structure. Overseers and deacons. Overseers is is a, a synonym for the word um, elder. Elders, overseers, pastors, actually, uh, all really the same root, uh, the same background, the same derivative, the same, uh, largely the same function, except that there are those of us who uh, are uh, called to... Uh, as primary teaching elders in that sense. So while, you know, as I was pastor at Veracity Chapel, you called me Pastor Jim, 
because of my teaching role, you could also say Pastor Steve. How about that, Steve Hopkins? Huh? Uh, you could say uh, Pastor Virgil. Or you could say Pastor Jake. Go up to Jake Ojala and just jitter him a little bit, if you would, and say, hey, Pastor, how are you today? I, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and, and if you're involved in messaging with Jake Ojala, um, he's the chairman of our elders currently, and I would encourage you to go up and say, hey, Pastor Jake, how are you? Mike, uh, Paige, the same way. Did I leave somebody out? I feel like I did. Uh, Stuart. Pastor Stewart, uh, you could go up and say pastor. So overseers, elders, uh, I mean, they're biblically the same level, except that there was special recognition in the scriptures given to those whose work was full-time and was uh, in a primary teaching role. Overseers guiding the spiritual development of the church and deacons taking care of the details. And we... Uh, we have gotten ourselves at veracity uh, structured like that now, maybe not fully functioning, uh, totally trying to trying to work that out. But but in many ways, much better. When I was still an elder, it was great having deacons taking care of some of the detailed things that, so we could talk about spiritual development more. And uh, this, my friends, when people say, "Well, we don't have elders; we just have deacons," well, they only have half the formula. Or if they say, we don't have deacons, we only have elders, we, they only have half the formula, based on the biblical, and, and I don't necessarily want to call this, and I, I think I would, I, I'll go as far as to call this a, spree, a, a prescript from Scripture, that this is the structure for the church, elders and deacons. So what we read in the Scriptures, and, and I think that you know, if we want to keep with the Scriptures, uh, we would have both offices in the life of the church. Now, I, I know a lot of Baptist churches, uh, well, we just have deacons. We have deacons and trustees. We have, wait a minute, what's the biblical prescription? That's the first question. Let's go back to the biblical prescription. And now here's another question. Uh, and and this, this, this is a loaded question uh, in, in some circles, maybe not for you. Uh, I see it in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, elders and deacons, deaconesses. Uh, I, I think that the role of eldership, uh, in my understanding, is reserved for male leadership. Uh, I, I do hold to that view, but I also think if those men in those roles are intelligent, uh, they will welcome women to the table, and perhaps as deaconesses, um, and, and having deacon roles and deacon functions, and, and that uh, the elders and deacons would meet together uh, because um, men, uh, you, I challenge any man who's listening, we need to ante up. We need to be the men. We need to get it done. Uh, there are some women uh, who get it done, and, and some men are standing still with their hands in their pockets. And uh, I just want to say that. And, and so my particular view on it, again, I'm, I'm no longer even an elder at Veracity, our home church, it's our mother church, our sending church, uh, but that would be my view if anybody's wondering, and, and this comes out of uh, this long, lengthy, and I had some discussion about this with, with uh, my colleague, Dr. Dan Moore, and, and down in, uh, he lives in Portland, 
He's uh, our dean, academic dean at New England Bible College and Seminary about, you know, the, this whole role. And those of you who've been listening and walking with me for quite a, quite a time understand the, the, the two terms, complementarianism and egalitarianism, and complementarianism, extreme uh, complementarianism on the one side is it's all men and women are to wear skirts and do dishes and cook meals. And I mean, that's kind of the extreme end of the complementarian. And then there's a range in there. And uh, in some ways, a word might be used, a soft complementarian uh, and, uh, or one that is more moderate. I would view myself as more moderate that I, I do think that um, the scriptures do speak to the issue. Uh, and, uh, Yes, and, and I'll talk a little bit, Walter, about some other places and what I'm seeing. Um, again, there's the range in there. Uh, soft complementarian would be one that would say, you know, we don't think that women should be pastors, but we would have no problem with a woman preaching um, and uh, speaking from the pulpit uh, as long as there's male authority. That's kind of the soft and I'm kind of in the middle between the two. I think we uh, churches that are wise will give uh, women a lot more uh, freedom and voice in leadership um, than than those that don't. But uh, the egalitarian view is: look, it's all the same across the board for men and women. It doesn't matter uh, really. And uh, I, I kind of stop at that point and go: I, I can't quite, I can't quite go there. However. Uh, you know, is is I'm involved in global ministry. Uh, I, I see lots of places in the globe where they function egalitarian is a, an egalitarian function. But let me tell you, they're winning people to Christ and they're making disciples in ways that some uh, complementarians, especially the West, are not. Now, hopefully, I haven't confused you with all these terms of of complementarian, which which means all uh, male leadership. Uh, an egalitarian is, it, it doesn't matter. Men, women, it's all the same. It doesn't matter. And uh, to think through where you stand, my personal view uh, is that, that uh, male eldership, however, I do think you can have women as deacons, should have women as deacons, and should have the women's voice at the leadership table speaking into things, and wise elders would, would do that. Uh, we did not go uh, with our first iteration of, of forming deacons as we now have them with women at the table, but I think we should. Now, that's that's for the elders uh, and the leadership at Veracity to figure out. That's where I've decided to land, and, and I'm comfortable with that. So um, I think that's, that, that's wisdom. So uh, let's continue on. He, he goes on and says this. He says, grace and peace. To you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, I can I've said so much about this phrase. This this is common uh, a common opening phrase in in uh, in Paul's ministry in in what he has to say, uh, and I, I think that uh, for us to take to heart all of it that we should take to heart all of it and to think about the grace and the peace that uh, that's being held out to us every day. Friends, as you go through challenges in life, God holds out to you his grace. 
uh, as you go as you go through challenges in life, God holds out His peace. You know, peace, grace doesn't matter. It, it always matters. Let, let me let me say that it always, always, always matters. But sometimes it doesn't seem to matter as much, except in the times when when, when you're living flagrantly in a sinful lifestyle. That's when it might seem to matter more. Uh, peace, peace. Everything is good. You're not thinking about peace, but when trials come, that's when peace becomes important. And um. We sat with some people yesterday that that were are, are in the midst of some trials, and I I pushed, I challenged, I said, this is where living the Christian life, this is where coming back to the scriptures that we post on Facebook uh, or on Instagram, uh, come to, into play. Uh, when life is hard, that's when James chapter one, when it talks about kind of all joy, my brethren, when you fall into trials of many kinds. This is when it comes into play when, when things are a little bit more challenging or quite a bit more challenging. And so I, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I, I want to inspire you with the thought that God holds out to you grace and God holds out to you peace. And peace and grace are most um, fulfilling when life is hard. So if life is hard today, look to God for his grace, look to him for his peace. In fact, let me show you a verse from uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, let me get over into that verse, and just, just a verse of encouragement. Down at the very end of Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So this holds out to us the hope that we can live without sin. Uh, we, we can live above temptation. Last verse. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Because of the work of Jesus, let us come to God's throne of grace, the prayer room with confidence, so that we may receive mercy, that is grace, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friend, if you need mercy today, cry out to God for mercy. He'll give it. If you need grace today in a time of need, call out to God today, and he will give you grace in your time of need. It's, it's a promise from God. It's, it's in the Bible. It tells us what we should do to come with confidence, to, to hold on to our faith. It's in verse 14, to hold firmly to the faith we profess, and I just encourage you to Hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Now, back into Philippians chapter 1, and let's press on a little bit further. I'm not going to get too far into chapter 1 today. There Again, it isn't amazing how much there is just in the first few verses. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you, and, and especially those of you who are part of the live broadcast, really anybody that's a partner with me, but but those that for three years, three over three years now, three years and 
March to April, May, June, July, August, almost three years and six months uh, have been a part of this uh, morning study together, this morning discipleship together. Uh, I thank God for you. I, I thank God that it just amazes me that you stuck with me for three years, that you you count this worthwhile that you would be up at 6 a.m., with your Facebook on, ready for it to go live. It just amazes me. I'm humbled. Truly, I am humbled by the fact of all of that. I'm humbled by your prayers. I'm humbled by the financial support that uh, you now give. And, and I, I, I want to encourage you, always, always, always give to your local church. Uh, unless God the Father has convicted you differently, uh, I, I would always say, give to your local church first. Uh, but then I I, I am thankful uh, for you and, and your support as well. And uh, I'll take it. I need it. Uh, things are, are heating up in, in many places in great ways. Uh, at the college this year, uh, through the work of the team that we've assembled, uh, we've seen an 83% increase in enrollment. Now, we're not big, so 83% uh, percent, you know, might not seem like a big number, but when, when you know, you've almost doubled the number of students that you have enrolled in your school uh, in, uh, from, from May to uh, August, uh, September, that's pretty substantial. And uh, it's because of prayers, because of hard work. And I'll, I'll be posting something about that a little bit later on. Uh, I need your prayers. Uh, you know, we, we are in the midst of uh, uh, some some very significant partnership uh, dialogue right now with my alma mater, uh, Lancaster Survival College, and it has some exciting things that we think uh, perhaps even by next semester we're going to be able to be offering and uh, uh, it, that, that will just increase things, but welcome your prayers. Uh, I'm working with our, our international community as well, and uh, Brother Joseph, uh, interacting with him and, and trying to get more education for Brother Joseph over in South Sudan. In fact, I had a dialogue this morning with a man from Palermo whom I've not met, uh, who in Palermo, in case you're wondering, is a neighboring town to, to Morrill or Belmont, where I live. You go out Route 3 toward Augusta a little bit, and bam, you're at Palermo, about halfway to Augusta. And uh, he's currently in Uganda with his wife. I, I believe she might be Ugandan, uh, and uh, a brother, a believer. And to me, it's just absolutely amazing that the networking that, that God is doing, putting some things together. But we uh, please pray. Please pray uh, and ask the Lord to help me achieve a goal that I have not yet achieved, partly because of work uh, and the responsibilities within this transition uh, to, to assure that I get training to people to help the expansion of things uh, over in South Sudan. This training will impact South Sudan, it will impact Uganda, it will impact Kenya, and and some of you have already been participants in that. And if you want to participate, let me know. Message me and say, hey, I want to know how I can be a participant in that. Uh, I really want to get that checked off the list, not because, not just because it's on the checklist, and, but also because uh, the opportunity to expand leaders and to grow leaders and to affirm leaders and to train leaders 
uh, who will take sustainability and disciple-making to whole new levels in, in those places. So please, if you would pray about that, uh, uh, and if the Lord would say, hey, would you give $100 to that, uh, that would be most meaningful. And if, uh, uh, and if, uh, if the Lord would put on your heart to give $500 to that, be meaningful. Lord puts on your heart a thousand. Pray for pray for meetings that I'm having with people talking about all these things, everything from uh, uh, South Sudan to my own personal support to uh, you know fundraising for the college. Uh, it, it's a necessary reality that takes place. I'm not going to get much further than than what we looked at here in verse. Uh, uh, in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Uh, verse 4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to pick back up with verse 6 tomorrow. We're going to talk about the significance of that verse and what it and what it means to us that we are that God is at work within us. We will not complete ourselves. It is his work in us. He will complete that work in us. And uh, But I want you to know, you give me joy. I want you to know that you give me a, a heart of gratitude. Uh, I want, to know how, want you to know how grateful I am for your partnership in the gospel from, uh, from the beginning uh, until now. Some of you goes back many, many, many years. Some of you in the last few years, some of you even more recently. Uh, I, I welcome your prayers. I welcome your partnership. And uh, I am grateful for you. Lord, thank you for what you do in our lives, making us servants, making us saints, giving us your grace, giving us your peace. Lord, today, help us to live in that reality. To friends who may be in the midst of some struggles today, may they be reminded to come to the mercy seat where they might find mercy, where they might find grace, where they might find strength through Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everyone. I'll see you again tomorrow.